Fife Rape and Sexual Assault Centre provide free and confidential support to anyone over the age of 12 who's experienced sexual violence at any time in their lives. Their team includes advocacy workers specialising in supporting people through the criminal justice process and support workers including young persons workers working on a one-to-one and group basis. This is Pamela Henderson and this is Down the Lane with... Hi Mandy and welcome to Down the Lane With. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell us about how Frazac came about, what's meant by sexual assault and the services that you offer. So rape crisis centres began with a handful of women in the 1970s who wanted to do something in response to a need for support for survivors and for campaigning against sexual violence. So the first rape crisis centres opened in Glasgow in 1976, followed by Edinburgh in 1978. Fife Rape and Sexual Assault Centre, also known as FRASAC, was established in 2000 providing telephone support to survivors of rape and sexual assault. In 2003, a service gap was identified and funding was provided by Fife Council to employ a development worker and this was the start of our kind of face-to-face work. Further funding in 2004 and 2005 allowed FRASAC to employ a centre manager who was able to develop and monitor the service training, campaigning, networking and service delivery. And then in 2006, we were given funding from the Violence Against Women's Fund to introduce a young persons project which would provide support to people aged 12 to 25. Further funding in 2008 also allowed this project to expand. We had continued funding from the Scottish Government and Fife Council and in 2012 it meant that we could offer counselling services by trained counsellors and volunteer counsellors. And then in 2013, Rape Crisis Scotland applied for and secured funding to run a national prevention programme which allowed us to hire a prevention worker who could work with young people aged 12 to 25 within schools and then community groups. And then in 2015 and 2018, we had further funding from the Justice Fund, which meant we could employ advocacy workers. And that's certainly a, a huge range of services you're now able to offer people and in not really a, a long space of time, that's quite a change. So do tell us about the service and who can access it and how they go about doing that. So we provide free confidential support and counselling to women, men and young people aged 12 plus who have experienced sexual violence at any time in their lives. The support that we give is person-centred and tailored to meet the needs of each individual person accessing the support. So we have a young persons team which is dedicated to young people who work with people aged 12 to 25 providing confidential support. We can provide this within schools and also in other settings. We have a prevention worker who works with young people aged 12 to 25 delivering sessions in secondary schools and community groups are on a range of topics such as consent, pornography, sexual violence and this kind of allows young people to be more aware of the issues and able to engage with them as well as access support. Our advocacy team specialises in supporting people through the criminal justice process, providing support to people who have reported or want to report a sexual crime. They provide support at all stages so that could be from sitting in a police station giving a statement to being in court. We also provide training and awareness sessions to professionals around sexual violence and trauma. So Mandy, can you go back and tell us a wee bit more about the school side of things? Because obviously education, I would assume, is one of the things you want to try and develop more because that's about being able to prevent some of these problems happening in the first place. Absolutely, yes. So we have a prevention worker who works within the schools and we've we've got a national sexual violence programme which was funded by the Scottish Government and that allows us to run workshops across Scotland on seven different topics adapted for four different age and stage groups. So the topics include consent, what is sexual violence, social media, which includes sexting, gender, impacts and support, sexualisation and pornography, 
and how we can help prevent sexual violence. So what happens is the schools choose a minimum of two of these topics to be delivered to each year group. And then they're usually delivered in their kind of PSE classes. So young people often tell us of sexual violence that they experience in many areas of their lives, including relationships, peer groups, kind of home, education and work on and offline. Increasingly, they tell us that sexual harassment, intimate image abuse, sexual assault and other forms of sexual violence are a problem. Education on issues like consent, gender equality and healthy relationships is key to preventing sexual violence and to making lasting change. So these issues set at the heart of the conversations with young people, which also create opportunities to let them know that they can access support if they need to and that they're not alone. So Mandy, you've, you've been saying about you're trying to educate the kids around the different definitions of things. What about some of the terms like sexual assault? Could you can expand on that a little bit for us? So sexual assault is a broad term that applies to many forms of sexual violence. So this could be things from like kissing, like unwanted kissing, unwanted touching, whether or not clothes are on, so patting bottoms and things like that, or being forced or coerced into sexual acts. So rape and sexual assault is an act that's carried out without consent. So examples of not consenting can include things like, you know, saying no, but that not actually being listened to or being respected. Anyone under the age of 13 cannot provide consent at all. Being pressured into sexual activity, being kind of incapacitated or unconscious due to drugs or alcohol or being asleep. So these would all fall under that. So in terms of people that you speak to and support, what are the barriers that they maybe face in being able to access the support? So I suppose the barriers that people face in access to support is that actually some people don't feel ready to share what's happened to them. Sometimes people don't know about the service. So for example, a lot of men think that rape centres are only for, for women. And to be fair, some of them are only for women, but Fife Rape and Sexual Assault Centre is for men as well, for, for anybody age over 12. We try to remove barriers to accessing our service by listening to feedback from the people who use the service and professionals who refer into the service. So we're currently reducing barriers around childcare and travel because of we're providing more telephone and online support and that was something we didn't really provide before. I suppose for some people as well, home is a place where they feel safe to speak to us on the phone or on video calls and to receive that kind of support. But then again, for others, that's not a safe place. And, you know, there might be too many distractions or, you know, and they prefer that kind of face-to-face stuff. And I think another thing that is a real strength that we have in Fife as well is that we've got really good partnerships and networking. So, you know, we work closely with the police, we work closely with the NHS and with schools. And I suppose having that link, so if someone's maybe accessing their GP and they need support from us, but they don't want to come to us, do you know if they can have support from their GP to come along or support from the police? So you said then that you were saying that you're speaking to people by video call, which is in COVID times, that's pretty much the norm for so many of us. How has COVID impacted on what Act does? So COVID has changed how we work massively as an organisation. So in terms of kind of the work that we do and the support that we provide, so mostly we're, we're all working from home, apart from one day a week when we get to come into the office, which is nice. <laughs> we're, we're attending meetings online, but it's also given us opportunities supposed to network online. But recently we've managed to return to some face-to-face work, which is really useful for some people who prefer that kind of support I suppose but yeah during the Covid crisis we've seen an increase in referrals and the feedback that we hear from a few people during referral information sessions is that during lockdown things have been really difficult because maybe in their life before lockdown they could distract themselves and keep themselves busy but actually lockdown has kind of given them time to think and can't really escape the thoughts that are going on in their mind. Mandy what do you think the impact of media and social media is on 
survivors of rape and sexual assault, do you think the way that media has portrayed it, either by dramas or even in the press, has made an impact on people coming forward? Our prevention worker, she shared with us that when there are storylines and programmes that young people watch, this can kind of help in classes. So she said that they can see cases of coercive control and the impact of that behaviour. So that was particularly noticeable when 13 Reasons was out. But it was also in things like soaps like Hollyoak. So sometimes if there's been a storyline around rape and sexual assault on TV, what we can see is an increase in referrals because the storylines make people realise that what's happening to them is not okay. And I think in 2017, we had to close our waiting list because there was a huge demand for our service. And I think this was around the time that the Me Too movement was going on and women were speaking out against sexual harassment and sexual assault. But I think at the same time, sometimes when there are storylines around rape and sexual assault, what can happen is it could re-traumatise people. Or if some people haven't reported it or have reported it, storylines can kind of highlight what their peers or their family think about that. And, you know, that could be really difficult to hear if it's not supportive. So who can access the service? How do they go about doing that in Mandy? Can they self-refer or do you need someone to refer them to you? We accept referrals from self-referrals to referrals from other people, including family and professionals, as long as they have permission from the person who is going to be receiving this support. We usually take our referrals over the phone. But you can also send us an email and we'll call you back for more details. So our phone number is 01592 642336 and our email address is info at We also have a service where we can offer support to family members or friends of those accessing the service if this is required. Mandy, thanks very much for coming along. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to know more about Frazac, the link to their website is available on the Linton Lane website. Down the Lane With was presented by Pamela Henderson. It was created by Marion McPherson and Michael McLaren and was a jacket pocket media production for the Linton Lane Centre.